Okay, so we're going to do the intro. Okay. Okay. Wait, this okay. comes out on St. Patrick's Day. Oh. You're right. The luck of the Irish. <laughs> <I'm> gonna, <laughs> I was going to say, do an Irish accent. That wasn't quite. I was going to do something. I don't like, really know how to do that. <laughs> <He> just yelled. <laughs> I was going to do something about our guest and all the things that she's going to talk about, but I think that the leprechaun in the corner just opened us up. It's the Cold God. Oatmeal Podcast. Yep, I got it all. We got. It. So you're. What do you want to do now? Was why don't we do this at the beginning of the Kurt episode? Okay. We'll put get Kurt put Kurt to bed. Nighty night, Kurt. <laughs> <laughs> and there's the intro. <laughs> <laughs> so creepy. That was incredibly creepy. <laughs> Welcome to Cold Oatmeal, a podcast by the Rush Strategies team about PR and public affairs. Really. I was distracted staring at Joe's Cold Oatmeal. Yeah, well, it's here. He's got it on his desk. It's always here. It's always here. And by the way, the the ratio of like fruit to disgusting is like one to ten. It's got some disgusting stuff and some fruit. Yeah, there's like nothing disgusting. One part fruit. What's, what, what in there is disgusting? I don't even know what's in it, but it, it looks like cucumber mash and maybe a couple of chopped apples. Did you have Burger King for breakfast? What was your... Say that! <laughs> okay, welcome back. Happy St. Patrick's Day. That's not what we're talking about, but Carly had some drinks at lunch, and she's ready to go. <laughs> And so she's eager, eager to celebrate the day. I'm just really excited about this guest. She's good. Mm-hmm. She's good. I would have mentioned the guest, but you just hijacked it with your with your leprechaun. Speech. I'm sorry. Go ahead. So we will we will get into this. But so this is a Matt Resch of the Resch Strategies team, and you're listening to the Cold Oatmeal Podcast. Uh, we are a public affairs and a public relations firm headquartered in downtown Lansing, Michigan. We're in a building now that smells a lot better than it used to, and we're going to talk to the person who's responsible for that. As, a, as our guest today? Right? It's because we've been coming in less. <laughs> Is that why? <laughs> <laughs> that's, why that's why it smells better than it, it used like, to. That you're, yeah, you're not here? Yeah. You're here less. Okay. Yep. Good. Okay. <laughs> Joe's dying. <laughs> anyway. Matt's like, who invited Garth? <laughs> <Yeah, why? laughs> what are you on? I thought. Gluten. <laughs> I was joking when I asked if you were drinking at lunch, but I, I maybe not. We're good. Anyway, so the pod, all these episodes of the podcast, you can find them on our website at reststrategies.com. I'm not sure why you would try to find episodes of our podcast at this point after we're going, but anyway. I'm not sure either. Yeah. At Cold Oatmeal Pod um, is the uh, Twitter account for the podcast, and you can find all of our episodes on Spotify, on um, Apple Podcasts, and then the social media stuff, right? At Cold Oatmeal. At yeah. Rest Strategies. Can't I'm forget confused. that. At Cold Oatmeal Pod. Okay. And at Rest Strategies on Facebook, Instagram, and the Twitters. Yes. That's where we are. You you didn't say the real reason it smells better. I'm getting to it. Oh. I'm trying to. <laughs> Goodness. It's you like that take day when Joe just had his <laughs> teeth done and he came in and he wouldn't stop talking. It was I'm just going to turn my mic off. That, that'd probably be <laughs> best. Do you want me to hand you over the sheet? You just take it from here? Yeah, you're good do to that. go. <laughs> no. What's that like? No. Okay, so who are we talking to today? I, m- I mentioned the building smells better, right? So we have a new a new tenant in the old Naps building, um, and it's a bakery, right? Yes, sir. It's a bakery, and it smells delicious. Uh, Nikki Thompson Fraser is the owner of Sweet Encounters Bakery and Cafe, um, 
she won a award and some uh, seed seed funding to get her business going here in the Naps building, uh, actually to try to attract new businesses downtown. And so she's opened up in the last couple weeks, and she is making delicious things. Actually, delicious gluten-free, allergy-free things. Um, vegan things. Yeah, I can't things. even tell. It's all, you, you can't tell. It's amazing. It's all good. Uh, she's our guest, and so we're going to talk to her in a second. Anything else we want to do before any uh, any other hijinks you want to have? Are we supposed before? to introduce ourselves? Do we do that? No. Oh. Okay. Hi, I'm Nikki. Nikki's here. Anna Heaton. Is Anna's microphone on? Did we hear that? <laughs> I made sure yeah, to turn my head. That's all so. you're here for <laughs> today. Yeah. That's right. Tr- treasure, That's literally treasure, like it. treasure that <laughs> moment, it. folks. That's, That's the only thing Anna. you'll hear from Anna for the rest of the <laughs> podcast because her microphone is now on. <laughs> Carly over in the corner. Carly Buell. Ah. Joe Beshi. Joe Beshi. Stephanie and Nick, Laura, they're off doing stuff. Uh, but today we are here to talk to Nikki Thompson Frazier of Sweet Encounters Bakery. Uh, it's a good time and it smells really good too. It's Nikki, <laughs> Nikki Frazier. So Nikki Thompson Frazier. Owner of Sweet Encounter Bakery and Cafe. Thanks so much for being on the Cold Oatmeal Podcast. Yes, thanks for having me. A little breakfast rivalry here. We've got cold oatmeal going up against <laughs> oh, those scones. There, there's and no scones. rivalry. Oh. And scones. What's, I have a scone probably at least twice a week. <laughs> That's good. And we're only here twice a week. And right? I, <laughs> right? I never have cold oatmeal. Ooh, okay, yeah. well, we try the quiche if you guys haven't had the quiche. I have had that as well. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, thanks so much for being with us. It's it's great to have you in the building, the Naps building. Uh, how long have you been here now? The grand opening was a couple weeks ago. The grand opening was, yes, last weekend, March the 5th. We officially moved in and kind of did a soft opening on the 14th of February. So okay. it literally hasn't been quite, or maybe today's the 14th. A month. It's been yeah. a month. Yes. Mm-hmm. One month. Well, the building has never smelled better. Yeah. I can tell That's you that. That's for sure. The building didn't have much of a smell. If not, <laughs> I was certainly not a good one. And then all of a sudden, it like started to smell good in the morning. I'm like, this is going to be great. This it's is hard to walk past it without going in, so... That's probably why you recognized me. Yeah. And going all the time. <laughs> <laughs> a girl after my own heart. Yeah. So I, lots of questions I want to ask you because you, you do it. It's more than just a bakery and a cafe, right? You have an academy. You teach kids and, how, and, and adults, right? Uh, I do. I teach bake. cooking classes, yes. Um, I want to talk about you're on the Food Network, right? You I the, was. That, there's yes. that. Okay. So And you've been in a couple different locations during this this time that since you started the business, well, it was like five, six years ago you you started the bakery. I started in 2015, so seven years. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Seven so years. why why did you start the bakery? So I started the bakery because both my girls have food allergies, and I was struggling to figure out what to feed them, literally. And I remember calling my girlfriend, and I thought I was going to have a pity party, you know, because that's what girlfriends <laughs> just tell your girlfriends you want to cry, you want yeah. them to like you know pat you on the back. And I told her, I said, listen, you know, I just found out Malia has literally a slew of allergies and Madison just got diagnosed and I don't know what to feed the kids. And I'm like, you know, moaning and groaning and crying. And she basically told me to put on my big girl panties and get in the kitchen and figure it out. She's like, uh, God gave you a gift. You can cook and you can bake. So if anybody can figure this out, you can. So I started fiddling in the kitchen and lo and behold, you know, it clicked. And so it turned into a business. So baking something you've done and cooking something you've done for a long time. Yes, literally since I've been old enough to probably walk. 
Wow. Yeah, I was always in the kitchen with my parents. So they are they do they they don't do this? Do they do this for a job or are they no. just no? So how both is my this? both my parents are deceased, but my father was a real, probably a better baker than my mom. I can say that now that they're not both alive. <laughs> um, but my mom probably was a better cook. She wasn't she wasn't really a big baker, but my father learned from his mother, who I've also I also learned from, um, and so carrying down those family recipes and I still use them. I just alternate the flowers, but I still use the family recipes. So did you have to do any kind of, I don't know, take any classes or read any books to bake and, and cook considering what the, the allergies that your daughters have, or did you just kind of, because you can't really experiment with that, right? And say, hey, try this, and, and right? Someone asked me, is there like a certain gluten-free person or whatever that I follow? And I never did. I like looked at a lot of different recipes, and some of them were like overly complicated. And <laughs> um, some pe- some of them I tried different like right, uh, flour blends that people had out there. And I just started just using my gut instinct. I don't know that sounds really weird. And just started trying out different things. Right now, my bakery manager, she has celiacs. And she's even amazed. She's like, oh, my gosh, your stuff is so good. And she's and she's like, and it's so simple how you, you know, I mean, I won't tell them my secrets, but, um, <laughs> you know, but it's not like overly complex because out there on the Internet, sometimes you look at some of these recipes and it's just like, you know, you, you, you want to just throw the towel in after you yeah. look at what all you have to yeah. put into it. So um, I wanted to, you know, keep it simple, sweetie. <laughs> And but baking's pretty scientific, though. It's it's not like cooking, where you can just like a little dash of that. And, and but with baking, it's got to be pretty it, precise. It is. And so even though I'm kind of home trained in terms of learning from my father and my grandmother, and I had an aunt um, who literally everything she made was amazing. Um, so learning from them. Um, they understood the science, like how much liquid, even though that wasn't, they didn't say it in a scientific way. They, I, that's the way I learned it. And so as I started to work on my own, like kind of gluten-free recipes, I applied a lot of those techniques and skills that they taught me to that. Um, cause you are, it is, it is an exact science. If you have too much liquid, it's not going to work. If you have, if you have too much flour, it's going to be overly dry. So you definitely have to make sure that your ratios are right. Did you have an item that you experimented with first? And you're like, I need to get this down. First. I good question. I experimented with cake, um, cake cupcakes a lot because at that time my kids were young. Well, they're still young, but they were going to a lot of birthday parties. They still do now. Well, not with the pandemic, but uh, it seemed like every week they were having a birthday party. And what kid wants to go to a birthday party and not have a cupcake? You know, yeah. so yeah. that was the first thing I experimented with because I really wanted to make sure that when they went to parties, they had something to take with them. What's your go-to alternative for traditional flour? Um, so I use a mixture of like brown rice, white rice, sorghum, and potato starch. Okay. So I kind of have like a little mix, hmm. but I can't tell you what this exact mix. That's is. right, Joe. You're, you might want to. You might geek out on this podcast. You might. I mean, you might say something because you're you're a baker. You, you might say something. <laughs> That's interesting because I feel like a lot of the gluten free recipes that I've seen around, it's like a mix of almond flour and coconut flour and like four other things. Yep. So. Yes. That's and I don't use almond flour because um, so many people also do have nut allergies. And my yep. kids do have tree nut allergies. But interestingly, almond is the only nut they can have. They can't have peanuts, pretty much any other tree nut except for almond. Oh, weird. Isn't that weird? Yeah. I know. Hmm. So they love macarons because oh, right. with, oh yeah, with almond flour. 
So is everything in the bakery that you make kind of in with that kind of gluten free, or is there, do you do some of some both? Everything is gluten free. Most people are none the wiser. At least I was going to say I couldn't tell no, them the scone I, I had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At least thirty percent of my business or more are people who don't even have food allergies. They just love the products. Mm-hmm. But do you find is that a big part of your clientele, or people who specifically seek you out because of the allergy issues? Yes, we definitely have people who who specifically seek us out for that reason, and I, I love that because I want people like my family to be able to go to a nice establishment and be able to be like, oh, wow, I can pretty much have anything in this case, right? Um, Whereas that's not always the case. We go places and the kids, I mean, they like know their allergies. So they're like asking the waitress different (laughs) questions. Like, does this have this in it? Does this have this? Can you tell me what's in this? (laughs) So... So you start the bakery, right? You get you start doing that. Um, obviously, didn't start as a bakery. You started as baking for your daughters and some of their friends. How did it turn into? Okay, I got a business idea here. Yes. So I we moved here in uh, 2015, and I was the trailing spouse because my husband took a job at Michigan State, and here I was like, hmm, what do I do with my life? And I was a, an executive director for a nonprofit in Alabama before we moved here. And so I thought, hmm, what do I want to do? And it was at that crossroads where I was doing a lot of baking, like trying to learn and cooking, trying to learn how to navigate that world of allergies with my kids. And that opportunity where I was like, you know what? I always want to, always want to own a business. My mom was a, was a business owner. She owned a beauty salon. Um, and so I thought, you know what? I think I'm going to do this. And so I happened to meet um, the president of the Michigan Women's Forward at a networking event I w- went to with my husband at MSU. And she was talking about, you know, helping women entrepreneurs and all these things. And it was kind of that, you know, that perfect storm where I was like, oh, maybe I should talk to her. So I went up to her and didn't have an idea, a firm idea or a business plan. Just kind of thought this might be something good to do, you know, like explore. Well, in a new town, that's got to even be even harder, I would think. You don't have you don't have the network and the relationships to get started. I did not, but thankfully, um, I'm a pretty friendly person. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I started, you know, just talking to people. I got connected with uh, with Leap, with the Small Business Development Center, with uh, um, uh, MSU has an innovation center. So I got, you know, all those different things I started getting connected with and networking and, and kind of growing from there. So how did, when, when did the business start? So when did you think, okay, I can do this and, and start doing it? And how, what did it look like when you started? Um, so it was really interesting So to, to answer your question, because in 2015, it was the fall of 2015, I had won all these competitions. I won Leap. I won Michigan Women's Forward. And I was off to the races. 2016, I started working on getting a small business loan. I was approved for an SBA loan. Um, I had found a spot in Mason. Um, and then my, I found, my mom found out she had cancer. And so I started, I kind of put that on hold for a bit and um, was supporting her because she was getting treatment in Texas at MD Anderson. So we were going back and forth between Michigan, Indiana, and Texas. And um, unfortunately, she passed away. Um, 
And it was right at the time where I had gotten approved for the small business loan. You have about six months to use the funds or you have to reapply and some other things. Um, And so it was kind of that crossroads where I really needed to kind of focus on my family and my mental health because she passed away, unfortunately, at my home was unexpected. And I took guardianship with my sister who has Down syndrome and my dad had previously died. Um, And so I tell this story to tell people that, you know, sometimes you get a pause in life, but it doesn't mean that it's the end of your story. And so while I took that break, she kind of wonder like, wow, you started way back when and now you're kind of, so that was the progression. I mean, I was off to the races. I had, you know, gotten support from Leap, all these different things. Like I'd gotten, like as a small business loan, I was ready to go. Um, and then that, that life situation happened and I kind of had to put things on pause. And then I just, then the pandemic happened. <laughs> oh, and then, then the pandemic, right. Yep. <laughs> right when I was ready to kind of come back from it. That was 2017, 2019. I was like, okay, you know what? I think I'm going to, do this thing and then you know March 2020 the pandemic happened so uh, anyway but during that time I was refocusing recalibrating um, pivoting as a lot of people do (laughs) and then I was able to you know win the Lansing Built to Last competition and then here we are so it kind of came full circle took a little bit of time but you know it came full circle and so the Built to Last competition that was that was something that someone here in our building, Michelle Massey from DuPont, kicked off when she, with the support of other businesses to, to kind of bring, I would say, non-traditional businesses downtown because you know, like downtown mm-hmm. has got a used to have some a lot of sandwich shops, a lot of mm-hmm. restaurants that people didn't want to stick around for after five o'clock. Mm-hmm. So trying to find some businesses that would be here and, and would draw people downtown outside of those hours, right? Yes. And so while we're open only until two throughout the week, Fridays, we're open till six, but we do evening classes. So, um, for example, we just finished up last week on Tuesday nights, our culinary boot camp for kids. So it was a six week course. We're going to redo it, uh, relaunch it here in a couple weeks, but it was every Tuesday evening. And then next week I have two private classes of people coming in um, during the weeknights. So we have a lot of um, evening classes. We have weekend classes as well um, and we're going to keep revving that up as we grow and out for more and more classes and they'll be in the evening so they'll be supposed to be bringing people in but kind of in a different way which I think is kind of cool because it gives them activities so it's not just eating right. but it's also being able to eat and learn and have fun yeah. right and do something a little non-traditional what kind of cooking classes yeah, so with our culinary boot camp, it's a 60 or 75 minute class, but every week they learn different skills like cutting, slicing, dicing. Um, they learn how to puree certain things. They learn how to make an omelet. They learn, you know, all these different skills. Every week they're learning something different, but also we're highlighting a different um, cuisine. So we do Italian, we do French, we do uh, Japanese. And so it's really fun that they're kind of exploring um, their culinary skills, but also exploring um, different foods from around the world. Yeah. So is that gluten-free, allergy-free? Everything. Everything. Okay, I'm just asking. I'm a little and slow. And it's good. No, checking. listen, some people say, well, why don't you do both? I say, why do I need to? My right? stuff is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so, now, I will say, I will say that I'm, I have I'm, been... I'm struggling to figure out how you won all these awards, by the way. I just, I just, I, just, I don't see it. You're not convincing at all. <laughs> oh, gosh. I know, right? You can't tell from my personality. Yeah, you were talking before I... about how your, your young daughter is the debater in the family, and I think I see where she gets it. <laughs> totally. Totally. I'm guilty. <laughs> 
But but yeah, um, it's you know, I, I say, why? Why is there a need? You know, because I do know that a lot of people have, you know, misconceptions about allergy friendly foods and rightfully so, because I've been to some places mm-hmm. and um, yeah, I've been to some places and <laughs> <laughs> you can tell the difference. Um, well, some of it's so, just not very good. Yeah, that's, yes. that's why right. I say I've been to some places. Is there anything that you like feel like you can't do well that's like an allergy-free version of something? You're like, I just can't make a good yeah. do- donut. I don't know. Donuts. Okay. So I So my kids like them. I've had some other people that have allergies try them, and they you know they like them, but I don't. So I'm the gold standard. I know that probably sounds. I just I I have to love it in order to sell it. Not like it. Not kind of. Uh, I gotta love it because I feel like my name is behind it. But not only that, it has to be something that I would like to eat as well. And so that's kind of been my standard in everything I've done. So some things I don't make, and I don't feel pressure to make it. People ask me all the time about donuts. Um, and I make I make this really good one, but it's like it only stays like good for so many hours because gluten free is just it's it's a tricky beast, and um, after a while, like it just gets hard or I don't know. And, and anyway, so I'm like, mm, no, I want if it, if it stays fresh longer or if it's you know I just yeah. So I said no, um, and I'm okay with that because I'm gonna do what I do well and stay in my lane. And sometimes people try to force you into another lane. And then you're driving all crazy. You know what I mean? And it's not, that's not the right lane for you. And so I feel like people, it's important for people to understand what they do well or what fits them best and do that and not conform to other people's vision or dream for you. But what is your dream for yourself? What's your favorite meal to prepare? What is that you prefer, that you like eating? I guess that's kind of two questions because what you want to prepare <laughs> and what you want to eat maybe different things. But what, what what's your favorite meal that that you make that you then get to eat and like? Well, you know what? It's really simple, but I love <laughs> crab that, cakes. Was that, Ooh, was that I know. simple? With a really like good question. aioli. I I know. I know that sounds like. I mean, it sounds simple, but crab cakes. You know, sometimes can be hard to make. People don't always make them well. Get the right seasoning, yeah, whatever. A nice a nice uh, aioli sauce to go on the side. But that's like one of my favorite favorite mm. things to yeah. to eat is the, and I love making it as well. Um, in terms of desserts, people always ask that question too. I'd probably say German chocolate cake because that was my mom's favorite. I made it for her every birthday. And then my father always made me um, these pecan bars. Uh, and um, they were amazing. And everybody always loved them and wanted him to make them for them as well. And so uh, I just remember when I spent time in Africa after I graduated from college, I'd done some research in Africa. And um, it was I was there during Y2K. Remember Y2K? Oh, yeah. I thought the world was going to come to an end. You're looking, and I was, ro- you're looking around yes. a room with a lot of people who don't remember Y2K, <laughs> by the way. I remember. I literally just said yes. <laughs> I don't. We I were was, all alive. I was actually looked young. I, I was. <laughs> I was two. Yes, thirteen. I was slightly nervous, but it was in '99 to 2000. It was at Christmas, and my dad mailed me from all from across the country. Okay, in like one of those like cookie tin boxes, like these pecan bars, and I just remember how much I cherished them. So those are probably my two favorite desserts to make. You know, it's funny you mentioned your dad because I remember a story. My dad was not a. My, my grandmother was a baker and a very good cook, but he came, came to it late in life and, and found it as a hobby when I was, I don't know, like 10, 12, 11 years old. 
and I rem remember my mom went on this health kick, and I came home from school one day, and my dad had made cookies with no sugar. And it was like this, like your mom's on a health kick, and we're gonna make some healthy things. So I, d I figured out how to make cookies with no sugar, and that was the last time that I think he ever made cookies with no sugar <laughs> because he was say, he was very mean. Right? It was it was it was like it wasn't there wasn't good. even honey in it. Or I don't anything? I don't remember. I just remember thinking, oh wow, cookies. Oh. <laughs> they probably were not good. That well, yeah, would be so sad. Actually, but. biscuits. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. People do ask me if I make things sugar-free. That's another thing I don't do. I don't do sugar-free. Nothing against people who need sugar-free. Um, but no. <laughs> I like sugar. I like sugar. I like butter. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, I respect that. You can stick to your guns, you know? Yeah. I like yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Tastes I, really good, too. I recently had to bake a vegan cake. Oh. And <laughs> I'm not a baker to begin with, so my friend should not have asked for a vegan cake. But it did not turn out well, and it was difficult. So I I give you kudos for being able to do the gluten-free, because it's hard to make things taste yeah. good. And do you I do, do vegan? You do vegan? I, I saw yes, vegans on the side. I on do gluten-free and vegan. <laughs> okay, so well, then I give you next extra time props. Just have Nikki <laughs> yeah. pick it up. Do you take <laughs> orders? Buy the do you take orders? I like do that? take orders. Oh, and I will tell you that so the two bad. of those combined are very challenging, because... Gluten usually helps things with elasticity and rise and all of that. And and when you don't have egg, because mm -hmm. no egg and vegan, um, eggs also help with, you know, binding and with rise. So it is definitely a science figuring out how to make that not only taste yeah. good, but have the right texture. So. My my cake was very dense. It was kind of <laughs> just like, like a puck. Honestly, I could have just like thrown it at the wall, I think. Why did your friend ask you for this? Well, it was her birthday, and I had offered to buy, to make her a cake, okay. which I shouldn't have done to begin with, but she tries to be vegan, and then she was like, can I have a vegan cake? And I was like, dude, like I can't make a vegan cake, but yes, I'll make you a vegan cake. <laughs> Everyone ate it, but it was it was not good. And Those it took a lot nice of time friends. and effort. Yeah. yeah. Everyone ate the, Everyone ate their slice. So. Sure you, were healthy, wow. you were healthier for it, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah. So tell me about being on the Food Network. Oh my gosh. Fakers versus fakers. Is that yes, what it's called? That's right. It was really cool. So I uh, there was the way that it worked, you had there were two rounds. And they were there was there was the baker, which was me. Um, there were four people. There was a baker, two bakers and two fakers. And the first round I won. I was super excited and I won for my everything I do is gluten free, by the way, remember? Uh, for my gluten free pineapple upside down cake which we'll be offering on the menu pretty soon as cupcakes um and then i did the second round and i did my chocolate vegan cake and they loved it but the thing was <laughs> this sounds so bad but i when i made the frosting and i knew when i was piping it that the frosting was too thick but i was running out of time and i didn't put enough um uh well rice milk i use rice milk enough rice milk in it to kind of make it a little looser and so when I piped it and I used dark chocolate cocoa um, you can probably imagine what it looked like <laughs> <laughs> and they even said they were like you know what this looks like right <laughs> they were like it tastes they were like blown away by the taste <laughs> 
You lost the oh, point of presentation. That's what I, yeah, I think that's what lost it for me. Because I actually really liked it. And it's so funny because afterwards, um, a couple of the producers asked me for the recipe because they really liked the cake, <laughs> which I do have in the case. But um, when we have our, our, our chocolate vegan cake. But it is, it is actually really good. It was on the... you. Prior to the pandemic, it was on the University Club menu as well. They had oh, wow. they carried the cake for about four years um, prior to the pandemic. So. so when were you on the show? Um, before the pandemic, literally, let's see, that was in 2019. Did you have to apply for that? How did they? How did they? How did you go? So I did, and I'm trying to remember. I feel like maybe I saw something or got an email, or I, I don't quite remember to be honest with you. I feel like maybe they reached out or. I got some emails saying, hey, audition for, you know, and I auditioned and I remember having to do a video at my home and them watching me prepare the dish and all that. And so, yeah, that cool. Was cool. Yeah. So it was like a kind of a, a series of auditions. And then cool. they're like, yeah, we want you. We'll fly you out to. Uh, we we taped in New York, but it was we we stayed in Jersey. We'll fly you out to Jersey and did you win do anything? The show. You no, won the first round. I you don't get. Fir- you don't I know. Any prizes or it was anything? like one out of two rounds. I'm like, come on, you know, like <laughs> I won the first round. Come on, give me some credit. Give me oh. something, right? Nothing. Mm. So the, the the bakery case down in the cafe is loaded with stuff early in the morning. When do you when do you get up in the morning? When do you have to get up? And uh, how much of this do you do in the morning? How much can you do do any of it the night before? How does it work? Good question. So we do a lot of prep on Monday. Like this Monday, we did a lot of prep work. Um, so we'll kind of like prep batters. We'll prep um, even the food, you know, because we do quiches and things like that. So we'll prep like the pie crust. We won't like make them but we'll do like all the pie crust so all we have to do is just add the filling and bake it off things like that um but usually most everything is done fresh first thing in the morning so we get i get up about 3 30 and we get here at 4 30 myself and the bakery manager and we just it should be noted we've now had two guests in a row yeah. two in a row that get up at 3 30 because the guest on the Making episode before of us does a morning radio show and he also gets oh. up at three so we've had two guests in a row at yeah yeah oh. see if I go to bed early, though. <laughs> What's early? Time to go to bed. Um, I try to go to bed by 8.39. I mean, I feel like, I feel like that's, that's early nor- for I feel like that's, bed normal. I feel like if I woke up at 3.30, I'd be going to bed at like 6. Yeah. <laughs> so I know. It's hard to have two kids and they have yeah. activities and, you know, you have to feed them. You actually have to feed them. I don't know if you guys knew that or not. It's like a never-ending job. <laughs> yeah, it really is. So when did you... I mean, Baking is one thing. Running a business is different. Mm-hmm. It's very, very different. Did you have any business? I mean, you said you you had worked, you had led a nonprofit, but how is? Do you enjoy the business of running a bakery, or do you just like the baking? I enjoy the business more. Really? So can I be honest about that? I do. And I love that I found Anita, who's my bakery manager, because she loves the baking more. So I always envision turning that part over to someone else and me being the face of my business because I feel like that's what I do well. So my first job out of grad school, I worked for Eli Lilly, Makers of Prozac. And I, and they're in Indiana, I'm from Indiana. Um, you, you know that because you're from Indiana. Um, but some people don't always know that. But anyway, and I was, I did corporate communications for them. And I learned so much because I had this very unique opportunity as a young 20 something, um, straight out of grad school where I was the communications person for the entire manufacturing IT department. It's like maybe 
4,000 of us globally um, in that department. Uh, and most of us were in the U.S. But anyway, and I worked very closely with our, um, um, oh gosh, the, um, C, the, the CIO, Chief Information Officer, um, for the department because I was his mouthpiece, right? So I did all our newsletters when he would have like our global meetings. I would write up everything. I'd fill the questions, like all this stuff. And so being at that high level, even though I was a very low level employee, <laughs> right, was a lot of really good experience. A good experience about leadership, management, managing people, how to communicate in crisis, all these things. I got so many great um, skills just by doing that job. That was my first job out of grad school. And then from there, I was executive director for a nonprofit. Oh, and backup. So when I did that job, I also was in charge of our communication strategy. So I had to write our communications plan at a very young age. I had to learn, yeah, which is very similar to writing a business plan. So when it was time for me to do my business plan and things like that, it wasn't really that hard for me just because I had that prior experience. Um, early on in my career, but also when I worked for a, a nonprofit as the executive director, it's really you're the CEO of a small business, right? But it's just a nonprofit. And we also had to come up with our strategy. What is our, you know, um, our business plan, you know, for the next five years, right? What are we going to do in terms of um, growing a nonprofit, raising funds, all those kind of things. And so all of those experiences really helped shape me for what I'm doing right now. And you like it. And I like it. And you're doing good. Thank you. <laughs> do you like being downtown? I do. I, I, I didn't envision myself being downtown, to be honest, but I like it. I think it's nice. I, I'm looking forward to downtown being kind of bigger and better i love the location like we have the nice view you know where people can come and sit and look outside the window or even walk by and see mm -hmm. us which is nice so we're good well we're happy to have you Yay, nice to have you. nice to have neighbors that bake yes yes so. that is true <laughs> <laughs> so nikki thompson frazier thanks so much for being with us on the cold oatmeal podcast congratulations on the the well not new business but the new location and we will stop by often. Awesome. Thanks for having me. We'll be right back. Want to see a picture of my vegan cake? <laughs> no. Does a vegan cake look different than a regular cake? Uh, no. Well, that looks good, okay. right? Yeah, you should. Yeah. The layers. That doesn't look that bad. That looks good. It's a white cake with that pink frosting. Was it just a vanilla cake? Yeah. Let me see. It just tasted bad. Yeah, that looks. It looks legit. Cool, but and but the friends didn't like it. They ate it. Well, no one told me they didn't like it, but it was gross. I'll just say no one went back for seconds. <laughs> <laughs> what did it taste like? I mean, the the taste was fine. It was like a vanilla cake with raspberry icing okay. in between the layers. Okay. It was really just the texture of the cake that was off. Like it was very dense, almost like like strawberry shortcake. You know how that's like oh. really thick and weird. It wasn't like light and like It was like four moisture. pounds of <laughs> sugar and vegetable oil. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was just not good. 
But it looked nice. All right. So you tried. I tried. Well, you're a good friend. I told her, I was like, I hope you enjoy this because I'm never doing this again, just so you know. Well, now <laughs> you could go take a class. You can take a class from Nikki and she can teach you how to make yeah, a, that's a, a true. vegan cake. She could probably help me help me out. We should get a pizza. Next time she's got some cake down there, we should check that out and see, what it, see how it's different. Yeah. I think we should also go take a class. That yeah, that'd be, be fun. fun. Be a cool thing. You bake, don't you, Nikki? Sometimes. I thought you, because I thought sometimes. you. Sometimes. <laughs> how about you, Matt? Do you bake? I have no. No. No, I don't. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we make scones and pie in my house mostly. Did I bump it? Yeah, I think you had it on, and then you must, like, it was definitely on when you were adjusting it, and then I don't know when you turned hmm. it off. Maybe you just bumped it on accident. This yeah. is the moment in the podcast when Anna re- discovers that her microphone isn't on. Now it's working. Talking. Are you working? Can we hear you? Yes. Okay. <laughs> now. <laughs> what do you make in your All house? those great questions that you asked Nikki we never even got. Do you bake? No, I don't bake. Do you cook? Yeah. Okay. Cool. It's not scientific. I'm anti-science, so. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. You don't need you're to go down that road. <laughs> you're one of those. Okay. <laughs> it's a whole different podcast. Uh, well, well, maybe not, maybe next time. Maybe <laughs> next time. Okay. So vegan cakes, we'll be, we'll have that around next time. Mm-hmm. Maybe we could have some vegan cakes for our um, uh, March Madness watch party. Yeah, I'll just make you guys some of my famous <laughs> vegan cake. Okay. So you can Kay. see what it's all about. <laughs> we'll just go downstairs. Nikki and doesn't seem excited. No. <laughs> Nikki's like, let's see, let's see, hell, watching college basketball and eating vegan cake. That does sound. Yeah, Nikki will be terrible, sick that day. Yeah, I'll be out. Well, for Anna and Nikki and uh, Joe and Carly, this has been Matt. We had uh, Nikki Thompson Frazier on the podcast with us this week, the owner of Sweet Encounters Bakery, uh, right here in the Naps Building, a couple floors down from us. Stop by and buy stuff. Yes. It's been the Cold Oatmeal Podcast, and we'll talk to you next time.